Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to the Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks and a move. I'm Corey Johnson. October 25 gives us episode number 124. Well, just ahead, Beyond Meat, Beyond Excuses. You gotta hear their The Dog Ate My Homework after the last quarter. And a big company shows positive results for a groundbreaking blood test for a type of cancer. And we'll talk to the CEO of a company monitoring vehicle fleets and using software to fight crime in Africa. Carew's CEO, Zach Callisto, joins us. But first, it's sponsor time. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. Never miss another critical event or insight ever. With ERA, customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions filings, and more, all within an easy-to-use, customizable interface. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to the drill down on your favorite smart speaker or your least favorite smart speaker. Just turn to that sucker and say, hey, Alexa, play the drill down podcast. You can hear our latest show. And the drill down is brought to you by Brain Trust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to The Drill Down. We explain the business stories behind stocks and a move. And joining me as always, I say as always, although he didn't for the last few days, Siobhan Field is gone. I kicked her out. Don't, don't no. say that about Siobhan. I would um, and Isaac Webster's Siobhan. back. I'm glad to have yes. you back as much as we miss Siobhan. You know, I know that you'd rather have Siobhan here, but you know, it's all good. No, 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 I don't know. <laughs> no, Siobhan's awesome. You, and I love working with her. We that. had such a good time whenever we were all at Bloomberg together. Uh, but let's get to the news, right? Let's. Number one, today, Tesla surpassing $1 trillion in market value. That's thanks to an order of 100,000 cars from Hertz. Hertz says starting in November, customers will be able to rent a Tesla Model 3 at airports and other locations in U.S. markets and some cities in Europe. Hertz's, Hertz's major bulk purchase could help Tesla get more of its cars in the hands of mainstream consumers. And Tesla is now valued more than the next nine largest automakers by market cap. Yeah, big, uh, big order for them. Of course, the other major automakers also get orders from Hertz all the time. Yeah, this is a, but this is a big uh, coup, I think, for Tesla. It's, it's a, a change. for Tesla. It'll be interesting to see what this does uh, on the used market, right? Because the 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 uh, Hertz uh, sells their used cars, and a Tesla, a used Tesla with a, a used up battery, has a, a lot less value uh, over time. So we'll see what this means for the used value of, of Teslas, and if Tesla can match, can actually produce these cars in in bulk. 
Yeah, we're going to have to watch. We're going to have to track that story, too, as it develops. I love that. Now, number two, Microsoft is warning that SolarWinds hackers continue to hit technology companies. These are reported to be the same Russia-linked hackers behind last year's hack of a wide swath of the U.S. government and scores of private companies, including SolarWinds. This new hacking campaign dates back to May of this year. The hackers have targeted more than 140 tech companies, according to Microsoft, including those that manage and resell cloud computing services. So fun times for us. And finally, MasterCard partnering partnering with Bact to enable cryptocurrency card payments. Banks will now be able to issue debt, debit or credit cards that let people pay with Bitcoin and earn cryptocurrency as rewards in Bitcoin. Other cryptocurrency assets could follow after this deal. Corey, what stocks are you drilling down on today? Let's start with Vroom. Vroom trades under VRM. Shares fell today and they've fallen over 52% in a year. What's going on with Vroom? Yeah, so Vroom is a sort of a, a secondary stock in the store, but one that I wanted to focus on nonetheless. After a Wall Street Journal report that said that at least four states uh, have disciplined or are investigating Vroom competitor Carvana about customer complaints around um, incorrect paperwork and delays in getting titles and registrations, things that car uh, dealers are supposed to give up right away. Well, the the growing business at Vroom and, and Carvana and, and others have seen these companies, both companies, uh, get a lot of customer complaints about just not getting paperwork to their um, to their customers. Uh, in August, Carvana uh, was suspended from selling cars in Raleigh, North Carolina for six months after violating state laws and paying $850,000 to settle a civil lawsuit with four counties in uh, California as well for operating without a dealer's license. Um, and these are the things that dealers are required to do by law. Some customers complaining about waiting on documents from Carvana customers. Uh, there was a quote in the paper about uh, a woman said she got in her car and got a ticket. We got fined for driving without a title for her car, but she couldn't get one from Carvana and still didn't have one. Um, uh, there were also reports about Vroom. So uh, Vroom apparently has 663 customer complaints, uh, according to Seeking Alpha, on the Better Business Bureau website for delayed registrations and poor customer service. So um, these, I thought it was interesting when you go back and look at kind of the way Vroom is repositioning its business and they are going downstream to subprime purchasers and putting a bigger effort there. Indeed, even buying a financing uh, company to uh, better uh, serve those customers um, and, you know, put more volume of, of customers who are going to, by definition, have a harder time paying off their cars. Here's Vroom CEO, Paul Hennessy speaking at an investor conference, or actually speaking right after buying this uh, this financing company uh, on October 12th, just a, a few weeks ago. When you integrate the, the end-to-end um, lending solution all together, the customer experience just improves. It takes friction out of, out of the system and, and the experience customers end up, up, end up flying through and being able to find the lending solution that they need. And in terms of uh, were we leaving deals on the table? Uh, the answer is a resounding yes, right? If, if we're able to participate in more of the unit economics associated with the transaction, if we have an experienced lender in UACC uh, that has experience uh, in dealing with non-prime markets, um, there, is, there is no doubt that there is, there is growth associated with, with this acquisition. And we've mentioned that, that will – 
that will drive the conversion and conversion will drive growth of the business. And again, that business focused on that subprime market for Vroom. Um, we'll see what this means for their ability to actually do the things that dealers are required to do. Carvana having a lot of difficulty there and Vroom with all those customer complaints in the Better Business Bureau website. Uh, it's a concern. Corey, what is your next drill down? It's like a Garden Health. Garden Health. Uh, Garden Health trades under GH. Shares rose almost 5% today, and but they've risen 11% a year, well below the market. Yeah, uh, but big news from this company today. Uh, a closely watched and much anticipated trial coming back uh, with very positive results for them. Garden Health says that it's what they're calling the Lunar 2 blood test accurately detects early stage colorectal cancer. Uh, they presented this data at the American College of Gastronomy annual scientific meeting. Um, now, their study, um, they tested 699 patients with early stage, which is, say, stage 1, 2, or 3 colon cancer or colorectal cancer. Um, and they found that the test, uh, what they call sensitivity, said 96% of the people who had in the test who had colorectal cancer um, were, was detected by this, this blood test. Um, 94% very specifically. And uh, that's that's kind of standard with other kinds of tests. The problem is people just don't like to get the other kinds of tests. People don't like to get their, their colorectal exams, which, which we're all supposed to do at the age of 45, regardless of whether you have any symptoms or any family history. Indeed, if you have symptoms or family history, you're supposed to go more often. 45, uh, by the way, is a new number from um, American Cancer Society. It used to be 50. Um, and uh, it's, it's colon cancer, rectal cancer is growing uh, dramatically, uh, no pun intended, but it is, uh, the, the incidence of this, uh, this cancer is growing a lot in this country and beyond and in national, internationally as well. Um, and now this study had some limitations. It looked at, they looked at samples of people and the blood samples of people who are already known to have colorectal cancer. Um, just 37% uh, were asymptomatic, but they later, of course, knew. So um, what's interesting is there's another test out there, which is called a FIT test, and it's gross. It's it's sort of. You take a sample of your poop, and you put it in a vial, and then they send it in and test it, and they look for blood. And the blood can be a symptom of a, of a cancerous tumor, um, even if you can't feel anything or tell anything. But it's, it, is a, it is a test that, that starts to indicate that you should get a colorectal exam, um, and that could save a lot of lives. The whole issue is getting people to comply with the directive to get a colonoscopy, which people just don't want to comply with that directive. Um, so, yes, if you have no history, if you have no symptoms, you're 45 years or older, get tested. You'll probably get a colonoscopy every 10 years. And and with any luck, you'll think, why did he get this thing? But the answer is it saves lives. Here is the CEO of Garden Health, the co-CEO, Amir Ali Talasaz, on September 9, talking about how important this result was going to be. Again, this is about, uh, what, four or five weeks ago, six weeks ago, talking about this uh, Lunar 2 test and and uh, is the screening methodology, why this screening methodology is so valuable, even though there are other methodologies already out there. A colon cancer screening. There are tens of millions of people who are not complying with any kind of screening methodology. And we are offering a blood test. If it's implemented properly, you can increase compliance significantly. So theoretically, any performance is much better than these people who are not getting screened and effectively you have 0% sensitivity. Yeah, the sensitivity is zero if you don't get the test, right? So their theory is, hey, if we just make this test easier, if more people can get a test some way that's acceptable to them, we can detect more colon cancer. 
or CRC, colorectal cancer, that's what they call it. Corey, what's your next drill down? Took a Beyond Meat, which reported a, a, or at least gave us a new guidance update at the end of last week. Beyond Meat trades under BYND and shares have fallen 41% in a year. Do you remember when this thing was so hyped about a year ago? It's like yeah. every, it seems like it was on CNBC constantly. They were treating you it like it was- Couldn't escape it. Couldn't escape it. They just loved this right. thing. Um, well, the company came out and said that uh, the revenues that they had said would be about $125 million in a quarter, or $130 million, that was a midpoint for their guidance, was now going to be 106. 106 is sizably less than $130 million. Why? Well, I'm, I used the phrase in our, in our open Beyond Excuses. That was, I stole it from a, a blog site, a hedge fund blog that used, called it Beyond Excuses. The management team said that demand was impacted by uh, macro and microeconomic factors. <laughs> Just think about that. What happened? That's great. Uh, you know, it was um, macro and microeconomic factors. <laughs> what, what, what Give that, that guy a raise. The, this website that I mentioned, uh, hedgefundtelemetry.com, was like a blog, really. There, there was uh, some chat between a couple of traders. Yes, the old macro-micro. Yes, yes. My stocks are underperforming lately because of macro-micro factors. Uh, why didn't that trade get done? Oh, you know, macro-micro. Micro, I forgot to hit send. Macro, I got really hammered last night. Why can't I hit out of the bunker? Yeah, micro and macro factors. <laughs> so remember all those announcements? They'd announce these quick-serve restaurants. and be like a rumor about it, and the stock would go up. And then they'd put out a press release saying, oh, McDonald's. And I mean, I went back and looked. Like in February, they put out a press release saying that McDonald's was going to uh, try out some of their products. The stock was up 13% to $162 a share. Um, you know, here we are, that, what, that was February. Here we are in October, Beyond Meat shares trading at, uh, what, what did I look when I put it in my sheet today, at $96. So the stock's gone from 162 with a press release to $96 with the real business. And indeed, these real big announcements aren't leading to real big business. And a real big McDonald's press release is not leading to real big spending by McDonald's or consumers actually wanting to go in and buy these products. Here is Beyond CEO Ethan Brown at a recent uh, investor conference uh, talking about um, talking about uh, McDonald's. Sorry, this is actually their last quarterly earnings talking about McDonald's. And is that really going to turn into, turn into earnings? Uh, so, so not to be... Um you know, unfair to, to to McDonald's and speak for them. I, I definitely I want to step back from from them specifically. And, and if you look at the universe of uh, uh, USRs that we're working with that are large and, and global in nature, um, I do think. And of course, these these, these plans do change uh, because of the we talked for a number of different reasons: COVID, labor, et cetera. I think you will see some activity this year that is um, test in nature and things like that, or or, or, or market analysis and tests and things like that. Um, and then you get the, the general um, uh, uptick will be in, in 2022 from what we're seeing. Uh, but provided plans don't change, there's something exciting that's coming actually in the very near term. Uh, it's a new innovation from us to trolling out with one of our big partners. So I'm excited about what I'm seeing in terms of the thawing in the QSR space, but I don't think it's going to contribute uh, from those large partners to significant volume in the second half of the year. So really back it off the notion that this is going to lead to anything big. It's also worth noting that this is the second CEO this year. The COO also left. Um, and so big management turnover, 
backpedaling on big announcements and then lowering guidance. Uh, maybe Beyond Meat is uh, beyond excuses, as we suggested. All right, coming up, we're going to talk about a really interesting company in South Africa. Isaac, I think it's our first interview from Africa for this show. Uh, but the it CEO is. of Karoo joins us and talks a lot about how managing fleets uh, in, in places like South Africa is a very different animal, requires very different software, and how that software has to take into account things like carjackings and other crime. CEO Zach Callisto joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by Braintrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Braintrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more. All right, welcome back to The Drill Down. As promised, joining us right now is the CEO of Carew. Zach Callisto joining us from South Africa. Is that right, Zach? That's right, Corey. Thanks very it's, much for having us. It's just confusing because the company's listed in the U.S. It's officially based in Singapore, and the business, of course, is in Africa, which is where you are. Um, how do you describe what Karoo is? So we we a platform, a SaaS platform, that really addresses uh, both commercial and large enterprise and consumer uh, it addresses the needs for mobility. I would say that best describes us. Um, I'd say mobility is a pretty uh, broad topic, but maybe uh, uh, managing fleets, fleets of vehicles, uh, principally, yes? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. Managing the fleets, the productivity, the efficiency, the safety, the compliance with governments, uh, the security efficiencies of workflows, so it's a quite comprehensive uh, platform that uh, both consumers and commercial customers and large enterprises use. Yeah. So tell me about um, uh, you know what a typical commercial customer looks like. If you want to use some name brands, you certainly may. So we've got um, uh, in terms of our uh, commercial customers, we've got small sole proprietors that have got. Uh, you know, one or two or five trucks that are doing long distance. And then we have large customers that have got 30,000 vehicles. Uh, our customers range from the mining industry, logistics industry, refrigeration industry, uh, oil and gas. Uh, we really cover, I would say, most industries, if not all industries. And obviously having customers from very large enterprises to very small uh, sole proprietors. And... As I, as I prepared for the interview today, I, I thought about all the, all the gazillions of angles we could go with this. But I do think that the, the business use case for understanding how fleets are managed isn't well known outside of those who manage fleets. So explain to me why fleets need to be managed and what, what things happen with a managed fleet that wouldn't happen in an old-fashioned take the truck out in the morning with a clipboard and come back with a clipboard filled out with all the stops done. Well, I think if you digitalize the whole processing, you connect the vehicles into your internal system. So just by examples, you know, uh, transport managers now got total online real-time visibility of the vehicles and what they're doing. Not only has he got real-time where the vehicles are located, but actually certain diagnostics in the vehicle, refrigeration, temperature sensors, all inputs and outputs, the fuel consumption, uh, the levels of fuel, 
Uh, and he's got access to all of that remotely. Further, he can have all the information integrated into other systems that he might have, like CRM systems or ERP systems. And it's that whole integration process combined with, on top of that, it's the whole administration also of vehicles where they can, with its fines, with its maintenance of vehicles, with its accidents, with its, you know, whatever happens in terms of administration of those vehicles that can also be put onto our platform. And it's being able to deal with all of this data that, as you well imagine, dealing with it with a clipboard, it's nearly impossible. It's overwhelming. And to be able to get the business intelligence reports and also because we've got such a large data pool with so many different customers, we're able to contextualize each uh, each customers, how well are they performing with the type of vehicles in the industry they are. And we're able to give them reports that relate to their industries that allow them to be more efficient and use their assets and their workforce optimally and uh, get better results and better customer service. So it's digitalizing that whole management system where Normally, you could have maybe a team of 100 people to do it. Now, it can be done with a small team of two or three people can do the whole management of a large fleet of 10 or 20,000 vehicles. It's, it's uh, pretty amazing. What, what, do you typically engage with customers who aren't doing anything digitally or doing very little digitally? Or are they on other platforms where they're migrating uh, into Karoo? So you've got basically some customers would be using some systems and then they haven't got a fully comprehensive system. Other customers would have little or a little, or they would be very manual or, and they'd be using very old systems and they want to upgrade to a more modern system. Um, you know, and specifically nowadays where we've got on our platform, the management of deliveries where customers are delivering goods uh, and they also managing fields, uh, field workers. And all of this today, to be able to digitalize your business in terms of the logistics uh, is, is quite an important thing. So I think irrespective of where customers have systems, you probably find their legacy systems. And given the connectivity today, I think there's a drive for people to become much more efficient. So most of your business is in Africa, correct? What, what, what does connectivity mean uh, in Africa and how might that be different from uh, the Western world? where most of our listeners are, as far as I know. Although I'm hoping this is going to be really big for us in Africa because there are a lot of, you know, a lot of ears in Africa. Yes. So 70% of our business is in Africa. Uh, well, actually 70% is in South Africa, approximately, and I'm just giving round figures here, approximately another 6 or 7% is in the rest of Africa. And in total, you've probably got 10% of our business in Europe and 10% in Asia. Um, but the needs of our customers in Africa are typically the same as the needs of customers in Europe or the customers in Asia. The only real difference is that because of the crime element in Africa, all our customers also require a certain level of security uh, that we need to provide with technology uh, to our customers. But besides that vertical part of the business, most of our, you know, the, the needs of commercial customers are pretty much the same. Obviously, in different jurisdictions, they'll have certain compliance elements for government and that we give compliance ESG reports. Uh, and obviously, that's going to become quite big in Europe and we're well-placed to do that. Sure. But fundamentally, it's the needs are pretty much the same. 
but clearly uh, somebody operating in different jurisdictions that deal with different challenges. Uh, and obviously what we do see is people using the, uh, the, our platform for different things depending on their requirements. And that can be whether it's geography or the industry they're in or the size of fleet they're using. So we do see different use cases on our platform. So you talked about the, the uh, persistent threat of crime, as, which is uh, facing fleet operators, and specifically that was in your your uh, your 20F filing and your F1 filing when we went public. Um, what is that persistent threat of crime? What does that look like? So in South Africa, it's, you know, unfortunately, uh, most South Africans have to deal with crime on a day-to-day, and that is both the theft of the actual vehicles and the theft of the cargo. And... Uh, and what we are able to do is we're able to combat fraud. As you can well imagine, a lot of uh, drivers can also be caught up in the opportunistic situation where they say they were actually, the vehicle was stolen, but it's actually opportunistic behavior. You also have quite a bit of fraud with the insurance industry. And then you've got, clearly you've got the real fraud, uh, the real crime, which we obviously uh, have got an outsourced service that we give to, to a security company that actually then re, uh, then recovers vehicles should they be stolen. Interesting, uh, interesting aspect to your business. You're, um, so when I first looked through your financials, my takeaway was you guys must charge too much because it's a fantastically profitable business, the likes of which we're unaccustomed to. Ever, you know, I'm talking to you from Silicon Valley where top-line growth is sometimes prized over bottom-line profits. You've got both. And so I think... Um, over the years, we've been able to run the business with very strong internal systems. We've got a whole R&D team that just deals with our internal systems. And I think that also drives a lot of our profitability and the customer service, the level of customer service. And we also vertically integrated business. So if you look at our peers throughout the world, very few uh, we've got at the moment going to close to 1.5 million vehicles on our platform. We are over 1.4 million, going towards 1.5 million, as we employ 3,500 people. And the only reason why I have so many people is because we do everything ourselves. We don't outsource anything. And in doing that, you obviously uh, have a much better service and you're also able to control your costs and the efficiency of your workforce. Uh, and yet you've seen, a, you've, uh, as, as much as revenues are growing by 18% year over year, you put a big investment into research and development uh, in the most recent year, a big increase in that. Why is that? Um, I think, you know, technology companies, it's, it's the way I see a technology, it's like a garden, it's never finished. And the bigger your business is, the bigger the opportunity, the more you need to develop. And we see uh, our platform, you know, expanding. First, we've got to improve in our platform. That's one part that you have to do, continuously improve. But more than just improve, you've got to add on different verticals to be able to address the needs that evolve. And uh, all of that takes quite a lot of investment. And uh, we are looking forward to the next five, 10 years. And a lot of the things that the success that we've got today is uh, it's things that we did five, 10 years ago. So what we've always found with these type of investments, you don't invest today and you don't necessarily reap the rewards tomorrow. But we certainly are looking at 10 years time. And in doing that, we've got to start investing today. We start to get, get our systems right, get our 
and uh, you know our distribution for all these different verticals on our platform. So we've started investing, and investing, and we probably started this about a year and a half ago, where we've uh, accelerated our investment yeah. into R and D. And yet the profitability is fantastic nonetheless. What's the key to growth? Let me ask you last. What, how do you grow this business? And, and how, you know, where is, is, is it about geographic growth? Is it about sort of getting deeper within the customers you've already got? I think there's an element to, for, to grow the business. First, you've got to create your brand. And, and that's normally created on the back of great customer service. Uh, then you've got to grow your distribution. Your distribution is primarily marketing and sales staff. Um, and I think it's fundamentally uh, looking at uh, wherever you've got presence to get to continue growing where you've got presence and to slowly move into areas where you haven't got presence because the markets are underpenetrated. That the way you move into new areas, you're not necessarily getting distracted from your growth. And I think fundamentally at the end of the day is also attention to detail and uh, one needs to keep a very tight uh, you know, the uh, financial discipline and you, you've got to watch your capital allocation. I mean, look, you see it in the numbers. It's a very impressive business. And uh, and it doesn't look like there are any giant competitors out there looming, which is surprising given what's going on in the world of sort of delivery and logistics in the world right now. Um, Zach Callisto, thank you for your time. We do appreciate it, especially our, our first guest from Africa, 120-some shows into this uh, Drill Down podcast. We do appreciate Zach Callisto is the CEO of Crew. When the Drill Down continues, we've got one number that means a whole lot, the Drill Down Bite. It sheds a little light on just how great this uh, this Karoo uh, business appears to be. The Drill Down is brought to you by ERA. With ERA, give yourself an information advantage. Connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's ERA, A-I-E-R-A dot com. And you can listen to the Drill Down podcast on your favorite smart speaker by saying, play the Drill Down podcast. You'll hear our latest show. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling down on. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. Okay, we're back with the Drill Down Bite, that one number that tells us a whole lot. Isaac, the number is not five, which would be the number of of uh, O's in the word Karoo. <laughs> right. Well, I, I, so I, I many Guy, why Karoo? I like, I don't, I don't yeah. in any case. Um, interesting number from their financial filings. And this is the number. The number is, it's a dollar cost of something. And the dollar cost of that thing was uh, $1,748,000. That was the cost of their IPO. So the company oh. spent in accounting, legal, whatever, roadshow, I don't know, banking fees, they spent $1.748 million to do the IPO. And they listed wow. that as a separate uh, line item in their financing costs for the, uh, for the year that ended February 2021. Um, so big expense there to get that IPO done when we hear about the expense of doing an IPO or doing a SPAC or whatever. That's how much they, uh, how much, how much they spent. I thought it was pretty interesting. $1.8 million or $1,748,000 to be specific. It's a lot bite. of money. Sure. Are you been listening to the Drill Down Podcast? I'm glad you're listening to the Drill Down Podcast. It makes me, makes me happy. I'm Corey Johnson. Happy Corey Johnson. Isaac Webster, 
presumably happy. He's our executive producer. Ben Wilson, always. always, always happy. What a good spirit. Our editor extraordinaire. The Drill Down, as it happens, is a production of the Business Podcast Network. 